Your telephone rings. You're not expecting any calls. A sweet young lady is on the other end of the line. She identifies herself as a bank auditor. She congratulates you and thanks you for the way that you handle your business, your savings, your credit cards. Just thanking you for being one of those special customers. However, she says, there's been some irregularities in our bank. And I want to make sure that we protect you. That's, that's the deepest desire of this banking institution, to protect you. So I, I need to know some things. Which branch do you go to? Do you do your business with? Uh, please, uh, I, I don't quite catch that branch. What is the name of your bank? Oh, okay. Thank you. Now I'm going to need to identify you because, again, we want to make sure your investment with us is protected. What was your Social Security number so I can verify it? Most often, it's given. Thank you. Thank you. Now will you identify your account number? And if you have, do you have more than one? Oh, you have savings and checking. Okay, would you just verify your account numbers? And this way, we're going to be able to assure you that everything's okay with your money. Deception. It's nothing new. The fall of man represents the great deception. Basically, Satan came in and began to cast doubts using Scripture to fool Adam and Eve. And because of the greed that was in the eyes of Eve, because the fruit looked good and it looked like it would be pleasurable to eat and it would make one wise, she failed. And as a result, the world has fallen. I want to say to you, please do not fall. Sometimes they will tell you that there is a warrant for your arrest and uh, a man is on the way to serve the warrant. But if you will pay $350, the amount varies. Just give me your credit card. I will get in touch with him by radio and they won't come and put you in jail. That is a fear tactic that people use, using just enough of the truth in order to lead you astray. Last night I did something I don't like to do because I have to be transparent with you. I get angry. And uh, <laughs> I don't like to get angry, but I turned on the TV. Used to, there was just one, quote, religious channel. I went through six last night, and I began to listen to their pitches. They would take a, a scripture, and from there, it would always curve back to their particular teaching. Some of the doctrines, this is not all of them, but it's some of the major ones. Every Christian can and must speak in tongues, and you have to in order to be saved. That's a prevalent message. Christians can lose their salvation. Now, 
I pastored for a long time. And my top ten list of topics that people have come worried in tears about is their salvation, their eternal security. These charlatans will cause you to doubt that. It's God's will that everybody be healthy and wealthy. And if God doesn't answer your prayer for money, doesn't answer your prayer for healing, it's because you don't have enough faith. People forget a very short passage out of the word, out of the mouth of our Savior. If you have the faith, the grain of a mustard seed, which is so small, if I had one, you couldn't see it. And yet that faith is all you need to begin your life of faith. You believe that what you, God said is true. And that mustard seed is not like the mustard. You know, if you're a farmer, there's something called mustard and collards and turnip greens. Some of you from up north, you think I'm speaking Greek. Try them sometime. They're great, but they're just a little bitty plant. This mustard seed grows into a huge tree. And Jesus said, the birds find their nesting place, which is a safe place. Then we got the clowns that talk about you can claim and decree or speak something into existence. One of my all-time favorite heretics, as she was speaking last night, made this statement. If you need something, you just speak that and you command Jesus and he has to do it. You may think this is funny, folks. But there are thousands upon thousands of people who are tricked. Because the idea behind all of it is if you will send a love offering, we will pray over your situation. Some of them send handkerchiefs. Some send oil. But at the end of all of these spills is if you just send money because God wants everybody wealthy, he will give you some tenfold, some fiftyfold, some hundredfold. And people send their money. You cannot decree anything and demand anything from God. Legalism, that's another one that's big, it's made a comeback. That is, I'm going to give you instructions on how to live your life. And if you send $25, we will send you a pamphlet on the things that you must avoid and the things that you must do or Jesus just won't love you. How about hyper grace? Because you're saved, you can do what you want to and it's okay with Jesus. The crowning one is these guys that have come out and said, hell is not real. A good God wouldn't send anyone to hell. The truth of the gospel is, by our rejection of Jesus Christ, we simply make our own reservation for hell. Because Jesus is the way the truth, and the light. Now, you worry about a lot of things. 
I just yesterday I was reading an article that they're warning you as you watch TV. TV's listening to you. And they're getting your secrets. Alexa knows all about you. Your smartphone is gaining information on you. But here's the truth. If you're going to worry about something, worry about your vacuum cleaner. It's been getting dirt on you for a long time. Okay? Worry about your vacuum cleaner. Peter was trying to warn people like us were aliens in this country. Temporary residents. One day we'll go home to our real home. But while we're here, deception is the key. There's uh, twisted scriptures, and that's what these charlatans and purveyors of heresy use. They give their own meaning to it. That's not new. Peter was warning about them. In fact, because of the this, we're, we're going to go through. I'm going to read you this morning, check, second chapter of Second Peter, and we're going to read the chapter. Listen to the word of God. But. There are also false prophets among the people. The false prophets are out there just as there will be false teachers among you. Among who? Among the church. He talks about slipping in unnoticed to the church. They will secretly introduce destructive heresies, even denying the sovereign Lord who bought them. Bringing swift destruction on themselves. They don't realize this. Their pride and arrogance is such that they have been lifted up and God has just turned them over. Turned them over as if he wants to see just how far are you going to go. Many will follow their shameful ways and bring the way of truth into dispute. When you listen to, when you follow, when you send that seed blessing to them, you are dishonoring the word of God, the giver of life, the giver of all things. In their greed, this is the cause of everything, greed. These teachers will exploit you with stories they have made up. I, I've noticed something. I look at these people when they're speaking, and they've been doing it a long time. Their countenance changes. And to me, they look pure evil. Because they have completely departed from the truth. And they're living in a world that makes them comfortable. And the only way that they can maintain that is to lure you with stories they have made up. Their con condemnation has been hanging over them and their struck destruction has not been sleeping. Now, I don't realize that. It, for if God did not spare the angels when they sinned, this is talking about when Satan challenged God in heaven and he cast Satan and those disrupted, disobedient angels down to earth when they sinned but sent them to hell putting them in gloomy darkness, dungeons to be held for judgment. And if he did not spare the ancient world when he brought the flood on its ungodly people, 
but protected Noah, a preacher of righteousness, and seven others. This was his family. If you go back to the beginning of that flood, it said God looked at the world, and the word is used, he repented of himself for even making the world because of the consistent evil he saw. But he rescued you. If he condemned the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah by burning them to ashes and made them an example of what is going to happen to the ungodly. And if he rescued Lot, a righteous man who was distressed by the filthy life. Let me hold on a minute. If you remember the story of Lot, Lot had come to Abraham and he said, look, let's just split our stuff. We're just too big to be together. And I'll take my wealth and my sheep and donkeys and camel. I'll go my way and you go yours and everything will be fine. But he went to the city. The city, as we all know, is really not anybody that, where are you going to herd your sheep in the city? But the bright lights lured him. Not only that, when he was rescued by the angels and taken out of, of Sodom, he tried to talk them into letting him to go to one of the other cities. But yet, he was a righteous man. Is, is that dysfunctionality of the scriptures? Not at all. Lot is an example of a man in a relationship with God who allowed the lures of the world. He didn't want to really be in sin and participate in the sin. He just wanted to have his fantasies. He just wanted to kind of dabble a little bit, kind of stick his toe in the water. And he was distressed because of God and him knowing the truth and every day watching the lives of the people around him. That's a perfect warning for, for us who are in Christ. If you dabble, if you fall back into old ways, old crowds, I guarantee you, God will make you miserable every moment of your life because you have had the truth revealed to you and you choose to go back and live around unrighteousness. Okay? For if that righteous man living among them day after day was tormented by his righteous soul and the lawless deeds he saw. They just don't jive. And if this is so, then the Lord knows how to rescue godly men from trials and to hold the unrighteous for the day of judgment while continuing their punishment. They do not escape punishment on this earth. And the great thing is this. As we've said so many times, we're going to go through trials. We're going through tribulation. That is the road to patience and proven character. So we're going to be there. But the scripture tells us God will never allow us to have more put on us than we can bear. Now that we can bear doesn't mean bearing it ourselves. It means we, you and God. Myself and God. We go through these trials and he rescues us when we continue to walk faithfully. This is especially true of those who follow the correct, corrupt desires of the sinful nature and despise authority. That's the very, very soul of a heretic. Bold and arrogant, these men are not afraid to slander celestial beings. And yet even angels, although they are stronger and more powerful, 
Do not bring slanderous accusations against such beings in the presence of the Lord. That's a referral to the book of Jude that we're going to talk about in a minute. It says when Michael the archangel, when Michael in the Bible shows up, he is the warrior angel. There's a battle going on. The other angel mentioned is Gabriel. When Gabriel shows up, there's a message from God. So this mighty angelic angel, the the captain of the host of the armies of God, when he was contending with Satan, he did not bring accusations against them. He just simply said, the Lord rebuke you. And that's a good thing to follow. The Lord rebuke you. But these men blaspheme in matters they do not understand. They're like brute beasts. Y'all are having a hard time talking this morning. Creatures of instinct, born only to be caught and destroyed, and like beasts, they too will perish. They will be paid back with harm for the harm they have done. Their idea of pleasure is to crouse in in broad daylight. They are blots and blemishes, reveling in their pleasures while they feast on you. With eyes full of adultery. This is not necessary sexual adultery. As you recall in the Word of God, any time you begin to worship another God, any time anything else takes your attention away from God. In God's eyes, that's spiritual adultery. They never stop sinning. They seduce the unstable. And they are experts in greed. They are an accursed brood. Notice, who do they come after? The unstable, that's, that's not a derogatory mark. That is one who is defenseless, Because they choose to be defenseless. They are unstable because they do not pursue the truth. They do not wear the armor of God. They don't strengthen themselves to what God gives them that is available to them. They have left the straight way and wandered off to follow the way of Balaam, son of Beor. We'll talk about him in a minute. Who loves the wages of wickedness. Wages of wickedness was just not the pleasure he derived. It was money. But he was rebuked for his wrongdoing by a donkey. (laughs) You know, I always like to say this. Unfortunately, my wife is with me here today, so she'll rebuke me when I say this. I tell people when they say great sermon or something like that, I tell them, well, if God can use a donkey to speak, he can use me. A donkey is stubborn by nature. They want their own way. But God turned that donkey into a prophet. (laughs) A beast without speech. God gave him speech. Who spoke with a man's voice and restrained the prophet's madness. These men are springs without water. If you've ever been in a desert situation and you see beautiful trees in the middle of a lot of sand, you're looking for one thing, water. And I've been to these springs in the desert that had dried up. And believe me, it's a huge disappointment for someone on a, traveling across that desert. It's spring to spring that brings life. 
These people are springs without water. They promise, but they don't provide. They're mist driven by a storm. Blackest darkness is reserved for them. This is chilling. And I'm wondering if these guys just don't read Second Peter. Maybe they've taken it out of their Bible. However, I find that most of their Bibles are about this thick. And there are all the scriptures that they twist. But blackest darkness is reserved for them. For they mouth empty boastful words and by appealing to the lustful desires of sinful humans. By our lust, by our greed, we open the door for charlatans and heretics. Because they play on our weakness. If you don't believe that, do you remember a long time ago when they said we've got to rescue our schools? We need help with money. So we're going to bring a lotto in and we're going to pick up the balance that we can't give to them. Millions and millions of people. I've seen people that literally too poor to buy clothes or to eat well place that buy those tickets because maybe this is the time. That's how these heretics work. They play on lustful desires of sinful human nature. They entice people who are just escaping from those who live in there, particularly young Christians. This is why every time someone comes to Christ in my ministry, I buy them a good study Bible. And I tell them, get into the Word of God. This will help and guide you. They're just escaping. And so they're like baby lambs. They're ripe for the slaughter. They promise them freedom while they themselves are slaves of depravity. For a man is a slave to whatever has mastered him. Think about that. If they have escaped the corruption of the world by knowing our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ and are again entangled in it and overcome, they are worse off at the end than they were at the beginning. Understand something. That's not a Christian losing their salvation. That's a person who knew a head knowledge, just enough knowledge as they honed their skills to be who they are in reality. And scripture said it's better if they just didn't know it all because of the multitude of punishment that's waiting them and waiting all who follow. I would have been better off, would have been better off had they not known the way of righteousness than to have known it and then turn their backs on the sacred command that was passed on to them. Of them, the proverbs are true. A dog returns to his vomit, and a sow that is washed goes back to her wallowing mud. An illustration is used for this reason. In the Arab world, in the Middle East, a dog, you don't have people who have that. You won't find someone in, in the Middle East walking a little dog, <laughs> walking behind them with a bag. They just don't have them. Because they are looked on with scorn. They're animals. They live by their animal instinct. They live in garbage piles. They'll eat anything, even 
its own vomit. It's the animal nature. And it's the animal nature within that person who becomes a heretic. And it's that animal nature that comes back to anyone who's trapped by it. Like I always say, you can wash pig, put perfume on it, and lipstick. And all you have is a pig that has perfume and a lipstick. That's it. Pig is a pig. I think that's all of it. Can you see what Peter very graphically is talking about? You saying this morning, well, preacher, I'm not a heretic. No, I'm warning you. My call as a pastor is to warn, it is to rebuke sin, and it is to preach Jesus Christ. And if these people weren't so profitable, why would one well-known heretic argue that he needs the seventh jet to get him from one place to another because there's demons on airplanes? It's greed, and we need to understand. Because, listen, they don't take a book of poetry out. They go to scriptures, and they completely twist it. If you have read through the Bible, you'll know that Second Peter, the book, and the book of Jude have, it's almost like they copied each other, but they didn't. Jude warns, uh, excuse me, Peter warns these heretics are coming. Jude, in writing his letter, said this, I wanted to write you a joyful letter about our common faith, but I can't. Because they are here among us. There's 19 of the 25 verses of the book of Jude in which there are strong parallels in Second Peter. I, I classified these guys in three major motives. In, in the book of Jude, you'll find out that he called, talked about a man named Cain. I call Cain a pretender. You can find his story in Genesis 4, 1 through 6. I'll just tell you the story. Cain slew his brother Abel because he was jealous of Abel. Abel offered a correct offering. Cain did not. There are people who say, well, how did he know? Don't you understand that God does not going to punish you without for something that he has not said to you? The way of sacrifice was laid out. Actually, it's a picture all the way back before Cain and Abel to mom and dad when they sinned. They were naked. They tried to cover it up with fig leaves. And God came along and slayed the animals in order to cover their nakedness. A blood offering. That's what Abel offered. Cain did not. I looked at him as someone who's kind of like... Uh, religious. He's a pretender. He pretends to be religious. He pretends to love God. They pretend and pretend and yet they have their own set of rules and the end result is they totally, they absolutely reject God. They are pretenders. There are people for pay. Balaam. The story of Balaam actually starts in about the 22nd chapter of Numbers and runs through chapter 25. Balak, the king of Moab, paid Balaam to go and curse Israel. 
Israel was winning every war with every nation. And Balak was one who identified with God and with Israel. And Balak offered him money, thinking, you just curse Israel, and when they get to Moab, we will be defeated. It's almost a comical story as you read through those chapters. The number of times that his conscience got the better of him. And finally, as he'd look at the money and he'd remember what he believed, on the road, that's where the donkey spent. But you see, everything behind Balaam was greed. Then there's pride. This is a rebellion of Korah. He is a man, a cousin of Moses' wife's family. He was of the Levite tribe. And when Abraham, uh, when, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, when God brought into being the Levites who would serve before him, and he picked Aaron to lead, Korah was jealous. He wanted to be that one. That was the priest that went in and out before God. Yet God already knew his heart. And so he rebelled against Moses. And he and all of his family were destroyed. Then 143,000 other of the followers who followed Korah, they began to revolt against uh, Moses and disobey and cause an uprising. And the earth swallowed them up. These are the marks when you listen to these people. They are pretenders that they are people of the faith. Not only that, they are in it for the pay. And I want to say something. I'm thankful that I serve in a church where every dime is accountable. I'm thankful that when we talk about giving and when we ask you to support the startup of a church... We can show you exactly where that money's going. Listen, I've been off with Pastor Joe before. And we've met with people who, one, wanted to start a Christian college in Zambia that would serve five nations around it. Pastor Joe said, I'm in for $50,000. And so we walked back to our hotel. He said, I got to get on praying. I don't know where I'm going to get that money. But you see, there's a difference between open-handed receiving where it's received and it's given to proclaim the message of Jesus Christ. Then closed hand giving that comes and closes and put in pockets to better somebody's way of life. So what are you supposed to do? Well, we have weapons of detection. Peter's pointed out we have the eyewitness account. We have the surety of the prophetic word. We have the word of God spoken to God through men. We have the Holy Spirit of God dwelling in us. As Christians, we are never without that alarm. I want to look at some qualities to remind you. Instead of walking out here and fearing every shadow, I want you to walk out of here confident in the Lord. And if you're here and you've never experienced saving faith with Jesus Christ, I want to encourage you today, exchange that old life. Exchange your pursuit and turn to Jesus. And no matter what trial you're in, no matter what comes upon us, we have the Spirit of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit guiding our life. The Holy Spirit is truth. 
John 14, 16, and 17. And I will ask the Father, this is Jesus speaking, and he will give you another counselor. A counselor is someone who guides you in life. Annette is a counselor guiding people in life to be with you forever. And the spirit of truth. Guys, I don't care if the world is confused about truth. I know when dark comes, I know that there's only men and women that are born. I know that Jesus Christ saves, that he died, was buried, and is resurrected, and waiting for a sure return. I don't care what the world is confused about. The counselor is the spirit of truth and does not leave you. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him or knows him. But you know him for he lives with you and will be in you. Man, know that, that you ought to walk out here doing a dance step. The Lord rebuke you. The spirit of God is God in my path. Not only that, he guards our salvation. Romans eight sixteen. The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. Understand that. When those doubts come, when the charlatans cause you to doubt your salvation, get in a corner, meditate. The Spirit of God does not entrap. He gives assurance. He gives correction. He gives strength. He points to the things of Christ. Not only that, he gives hope and peace during difficult times. Again, Romans 15. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him. That you may overflow. Anytime God's blessing and the Spirit of God is spoken about in Scripture, it talks about overflowing. Your cup overflows. His, your goodness from God overflows. God doesn't skinch. He, he does not hold back. He overflows with the hope by the power of the Holy Spirit of God. This is not empty hope, folks. This is hope in an assurity. The Bible will relate to you that hope is kind of like an anchor chain. And that chain is wrapped around the throne of God. It's sure. It's steadfast. It's yours because you have received Christ. We are sealed by the Holy Spirit. And that Holy Spirit is the one that guards us. Not only that, he gives us strength. And endurance during trials. Ephesians 16. Paul is praying that out of his glorious riches, he will strengthen you with the power through his spirit. Where? In the inner being. This is who we are. This outer shell is simply a body we're assigned to it runs out. He uses it up and we go away to glory. And we receive that new bar. This is the endurance during trial. Stop living under circumstances and live above circumstances in the promises of God. Circumstances are real. 
But God is sovereign and he's in control. Not only that, what about when you're tempted? He gives the power over temptations. Galatians 5, 16. So I say, live by the Spirit. And you will not gratify the desires of the sinful nature. That's a pretty easy, that's a pretty easy prescription. If you're living by the Spirit, you won't want anything else but what the Spirit can give you. The converse of that is if you're not living and walking in the Spirit, then everything else is going to look better. Well, I, I want to go back to this knowing truth, knowing the Word of God consistently, constantly in that Word. Not only that, He provides us an understanding. John chapter sixteen thirteen. But when He, the Spirit of truth, comes... He will guide you into all truth. Stop it right there and just hold that, Gene. People say to me all the time, I don't understand the Bible. Now, the only people that can legitimately say they don't understand the Bible are, number one, people who don't read the Bible, study the Bible, and number two, people that are apart from Christ. A person who is lost and without Christ won't understand a word of this until the Spirit of God begins to open his eyes and his understanding. We as Christians, as we study the Spirit of truth, the Holy Spirit, he guides us not into a little bit of truth, but all truth, all of it. He will lead you through here. You begin to see things over and over, and it's like, aha, like the Spirit of God in a huge puzzle as we read and study. Another piece of the puzzle is revealed as we begin to see what God is talking about in Scripture. He will not speak of His own, but He will speak only what He hears, and He will tell you what is yet to come. He's not going to tell you that on October the 24th at 3.45 p.m., in the year 20,056, Jesus is coming back. And if you follow these charlatans, I have to laugh. I look, I look on my Google last week. <laughs> One guy has predicted for the first 35 years the Lord's coming back. And he's given a date. And people gather. And you know what? In 2022, when he speaks, people are still gathering. This is talking about the fullness of time, the fullness of a revelation of Jesus Christ. Not only that, he invests us with confidence over fear. For God did not give us a spirit of timidity. He said, Pastor, I'm a timid person. I'm talking about your outward or your personality. I'm talking about the boldness of a lion, the boldness of someone who has seen, who has understand, stood, and whose truth has been revealed. It's not given us a spirit of fear. I was in public getting prescription filled. This older couple walked in. They had masks and long sleeve shirts. And in the three minutes they were there, they washed their hands, I don't know, five or six times. And as they come to get their, their, I guess, fifth booster, whatever they're giving out, this lady said to the woman, we haven't left our house since February 2020. We've had home care come and give us shots. We've had our groceries. And as soon as they got those shots, 
they run out the door. Fear. That's the spirit of the world. A, a teaching of these heretics is to cause you to fear in order you follow him and pay for their lifestyle. Uh, one of the things I heard last night, there was this, this guy sitting there and he said, we just got over our, our spring revival. You know, that's the time we gather money for our budget. And he said, we gathered $3.9 million last week. But you know, we have all these television stations we have to support. And of course, we have to have salaries for the people that come here. We still need $2.1 million. And I'm thinking, what in the world? How much more land could we travel if people gave $3.9 million to the ministry here at Tomoka? How far, how wide can we go? And it's not salaries. It's not promotions. It's the message of Jesus. But he gave us a spirit of power and of love and of self-discipline. This morning... The greatest proof of what you hear is scripture. From this pulpit, from my mouth, check it with scripture. See if it's true. Don't take my word for it. That's why I like to see people, even though we are in the information age, I like to see Bibles in their hands. I like to see marked up Bibles. Why? Because you are fortifying and insulating yourself from being led away in fear, from falling from the lines of shit, and you stand firm in the boldness the Spirit of God has given you. I want to ask you this morning, do you have that confidence or is everything I said to you this morning just some kind of Wishful thinking. I wish I could do that. If you're a child of God, that's who you are. That's who you are. You've got to realize who you are. You've got to realize what God has given you. And then live that life. Because a lot of times, the scripture that the world sees out of Christians contradicts with what the word of God says. We live scripture. Scripture is our guide. Scripture is our hope. Scripture is our confidence. Today may be the day that you say yes to that call from Jesus. If you're watching online, we got a little button there that says, I have decided. Hit that button and follow the instructions. We will be in contact with you. If you're a Christian and you've never had the confidence and boldness, to be baptized, please let us know. You see, that's the confirmation. That's your first witness to the world. And it's a wordless witness. I've been buried with Christ. I've been resurrected with Christ to walk in newness of life. This morning, I'll be over here in the corner. You can reach me there. Or if I walk the hallways, you can call. Listen. Any way that I can encourage you. You contact me, any one of our staff. Because we care about you. 
I care about your life. And I want you to live it to the max, to the full. Father, we come to you this morning and we ask you to bless your word. I ask you to confirm the promise that as your word goes forth, it will accomplish exactly what you've sent it out to accomplish and not return to you without accomplishing that. In the blessed name of Jesus, our Lord, amen.